Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 6. And we're going to be looking from verse 5 down to 15. Whilst you do that, let me explain um, what we're going to be doing the next few weeks together as a church. We've just come out of a series looking at the Spirit. And Neil took us through that. And we really pray that some of what was said and what you, what you heard will have actually continued to reshape your hearts and your minds. It's great to have knowledge, isn't it? But knowledge without a change of heart, well, there's not much point really. So you need to have the both, yeah? So we just hope that whatever's said, actually any Sunday across the year, that at the end of it, you'll be able to look back and go, do you know what? That really helped. That really helped transform my thinking. And one of the things that Neil touched on um, last week as he finished was about the renewing of our minds and becoming Christ-like. And, and as Christians, that's just not a one-week sermon. That's a 12-month that's a sermon for all of us for to be saying to the Spirit of God, I want you to renew my mind. I want you to help me with the things that, that sometimes I trip over and default back to the old way of living. That's not what I'm preaching on. Just thought I'd say that. Just start off. <laughs> so we're in the season of Lent. And I just wondered if you could just let me see. How many of you observe Lent? Okay, a few of us. Okay. So this is the season we're moving into. And in this church, as part of the Anglican church, they will change their altar cloth and the preaching and their vestments to this beautiful colour. So even if you don't know anything about Lent and you worship with us normally, that's what happens. That's the indicator for Lent. And across the world, there are thousands and thousands of people who are observing it. And for lots of different reasons. And, you know, originally, fast started with 40 hours, which I could do quite happily. But then they changed it to 40 days. Oh, dear. And I grew up in that context where we had to observe Lent. And from the church's perspective, you know, Jesus has just come out from battling with the devil in the wilderness for the sake of the world. And for, for Christians for 2,000 years, not, not 2,000 years, actually less than that, it's always been about shedding habits. But habits that bring them closer to Jesus, that's the purpose of it. So there's lots of people in the cafe this week who were saying, what are you giving up? And lots of people said chocolate, of course. Even people who don't eat chocolate, chocolate. Just, yeah, just want to be part of something bigger, so I'll give up chocolate. And as a child growing up, we were given rosary beads and we had to every day through Lent, in the morning and in the evening, do, for those of you who got a Catholic background, you'll know that it's 10 Hail Marys, one Our Father, a Hail Holy Queen, and then you go again. And a glory be. That's how old I've just forgotten. <laughs> I've just forgotten. And we were made to say that before we went to school. Then we got to school and we were made in the, um, uh, in the hall on our knees to recite it all again. 
and to recite more prayers. And then when I got home, I had to do it all over again. It became very tedious. And we made promises in church that we would give up. It was never going to be Facebook and Twitter then, was it? But we, we'd give up meat or we'd give up chocolate or, or we'd just give up bad language or whatever that thing was for you. And the reality is for our family, and if you were naughty like us, then we would go home and forget we ever made those promises and, and just live normally again. And then go back to church the following Sunday and go, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And you know what? In all of that time, I learned very little about what Lent was about. That was for me personally. Some of you might have learned loads of stuff, but for me, I didn't. And it was about observing and legalism for me. It wasn't about uh, a joy in the, in the journey towards the cross. Because, of course, that's what it's about. It's about the cross. And it's about us shedding some of those habits as we go. This short series of sermons... Um, we want to sort of flip it on its head a little bit. And we're going to look at some of the core disciplines that are fundamental to our faith. Praying, giving, and fasting. And we're going to look at those three things. I'm going to start off with prayer, and then next week somebody will um, take a different aspect of prayer. Somebody will take fasting and a different aspect, and so on, till it takes us to Easter. And we're looking at these three things, not so we could be better prayers necessarily or become thin in the month of Lent, although that would be very nice, <laughs> or about giving. It's actually about other people. We want to make this series of praying about other people, not about us, not about praying what we want from God, because God already knows what we need, and we'll read that in a minute. But about other people around us, let's spend a whole month training our minds to think outside of ourselves. Let's fast for other people. Let's be generous to other people. And I want to say outside the people that you normally would be generous to. So we have our families that I would, my family I would be generous to. I want God to show me people where else I need to be generous because my family will bless me back, but the people that don't know me necessarily won't. So we're thinking from this short series, from that perspective. So I want to move you away, if you know a lot about Lent, from it being, you being stripped back yourself, but being stripped back for other people. Is that all right? So pin your ears back. So you might be challenged over the next few weeks coming. Don't let that scare you. So... Praying for the sake of others. We're going to look at that and we're going to look at training our minds, renewing our minds for the sake of others. So let's read Matthew 6, 5, 6, 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door 
and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus starting to preach after his wrestle with the devil in the wilderness. And this subject of prayer comes halfway through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, before that, is encouraging his disciples about the fulfillment. And then he goes on to talk about the fulfillment of law, murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, eye for an eye, loving people you don't like, giving to the needy. And then he comes to prayer. Jesus is helping these men of his, his disciples, to come close to the Father, to come close to the God who was still quite abstract from them till Jesus came. He was leading them to the Father that they now could call him Abba. Last week, Neil left us with that thought. Abba, Father, in his glorious presence. That would have been a massive change in their thinking. The father that knows what they need before they ask. And the reality is we know that they would have needed to hear this prayer, hear Jesus say this because of what they went on to suffer as disciples after. So it was good to be reminded last week that we're loved and that we belong. And it's the spirit that helps us say Abba. It's the spirit of God that calls from the deep, from the deep in us to commune with the Father. It's the spirit at work in our minds, transforming them to become like the mind of Christ. I don't know about you, but there's lots of areas in my own life that is not like the mind of Christ. It's just not. But I desire to be more like Christ. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the spirit that, that sort of touches that desire in us to talk about him. And I remember as Neil was speaking, I was thinking, I want that desire to be mined right deep down in who I am, to be brought out to pray, to pray more for others. I'm not surprised that Matthew put the prayer in the middle of this. We need it to help us, don't we? To not worry, to not judge, to fast, to pray. We need it not to judge others, to be lustful, poking people's eyes out, metaphorically, loving people. We need prayer for all of that. And so did his disciples. Jesus breaks into their thinking. Let me teach you something that is out of your thinking. 
not what you're used to. Let me help you address the God who you have prayed to in the temple. Let me help you think about those people that are on the corners babbling away, praying all sorts of stuff, but wanting to be seen in the midst of it. Let me tell you that this is a new way of praying. Oh, and by the way, it's to be done in secret. Not like those that he just pointed his finger at. Jesus goes on to emphasize the forgiveness aspect of the prayer a little bit more, pointing the disciples to not being hypocrites. Throughout Jesus' teaching, and those of you who know the, the, the New Testament really well will, will hear Jesus in the Gospels and hear Paul and others um, in the rest of the Testament thinking about this um, common theme of being forgiven much, therefore we forgive much. Do you get that? We forgive because of what has been forgiven in us. I am amazed at what God has forgiven in me. I still am amazed at what he forgives me for. He is a glorious God. And then with others listening, he starts to teach the words that have shaped the church for over 2,000 years. I think it's amazing that um, when we used to go and do some work in Claremont Lodge or uh, Ranoff Court or other places we've been in, Monica Court, one of the things that brought these elderly people to life was the Lord's Prayer. They just came alive and they could have the most severe dementia and yet, and they could be asleep, bored to death with what we were saying. But do you know what? As soon as you said, we're going to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, bam, they're awake. And it's like they dug deep. The spirit has dug deep really quickly and brought them alive, reminding them of what they were taught as children, reminding them of the prayers that the, some of the people like myself were made to pray but do you know what? I thank God for that prayer that I was made to pray 10 times every day as part of my Lent journey. I'm really glad. The problem is that it became quite, and it has become quite religious. But if we stop long enough to understand the prayer itself, it is beautiful, it is powerful, it is healing, it's giving and so much more. And I think for some of us who've been taught it like this, we never stopped long enough because we weren't taught to stop long enough to understand actually what we were saying. And Jesus breaks in and says, this is how I want you to pray. If prayer is a spiritual discipline, it shouldn't be a surprise that prayer involves training yet too often um, I've woken up and I'm sure you have I know I've talked to people about prayer and I thought it's today it's today I'm going to do it it's today I'm going to pray for like three hours and then I get up and it all the day just takes over and it's gone and the reason is for me is because I'm not intentional enough 
that's one of the issues. Neil looked at um, training for a marathon last week, and um, it's a bit like that for me, that, that I desire to pray. I know I would not wake up one day and decide to run a 26 and a half mile marathon. I know me. I wouldn't do it. But I do want to wake up. And the first thing out of my mouth is to worship God. I want that to happen. That my day starts with a conversation with him and finishes with a conversation. Paul said to this to the church in Corinth, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. For most of us, becoming a person of prayer has not been an easy journey. We've had to train really hard at it. For those who've been um, walking with Jesus for a long time, and then sometimes we go through seasons where we just sort of sigh and it dips a little. For those of you who are newer to faith or who are younger in years, they would want to encourage you to keep going, to keep praying, even in the bumps in the road where you get stuck, to keep walking the life of prayer with God. Some people are gifted prayers. And when I first became a Christian, I remember walking into this church and there was these lovely people at the front. I didn't think they were lovely when I met them first, but they were lovely people as I got to know them. And they were praying, they were giving it some. And I remember standing there as a new Christian thinking, never. I will never attain to that. And that stopped me for years. You know when you listen to somebody else pray and they just sort of use really eloquent words and it's all really wonderful. Even now, even now, 20 years later, I go, oh, I wish I could pray like that. I so wish I could. But I can't because I'm not you. And you're not me. And the, the voice that God hears is mine when I, when I pray. He hears mine and what I've got to say. He hears the beat of my heart and my groan and my ache. He hears mine. Paul said to the church, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Strict training. Paul instructs Timothy, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. We need to train to pray and not try harder. There's something about the spirit that yearns in us to commune with the Father. He yearns for that in us. One of the things that we say a lot around here is that what can happen if we try too hard is that we default back to old modes, the old way of doing things. There's something about sitting at the altar of God and just listening, just receiving, 
just allowing your heart to hear what you need to pray for others. Not about you. God knows what you need. God knows what I need for others. It's the spirit at work in us who beckons us towards that relationship in prayer, renewing our minds, softening our hearts, and changing us as we pray. Intentional prayer changes us as we dig deep into our hearts. Being honest in front of the Father stops us babbling like those that Jesus talked about, just anything that comes into our heads. Scripture is a beautiful way of praying for other people. If you look at the beginning of the book of, of Ephesians, Paul gives thanks for others. And when you sit and pray that for long enough, you could be there a long, long time, giving thanks to God for those around you, praying for them that they may be filled, that they may be healed and whole, as we've just done this morning. So what do we expect when we come to pray? Do we have the motivation to pray, to come close? Is our prayer life all about me? And one of the indicators to know that is if you just pray about you and your family, then you know it's about you. I lack enough desire sometimes to sit long enough. And I'm quite happy because of my personality to pray on the run and pray in the car, pray when I'm pottering, pray when I'm in the cafe. I just pray as I go. And that's not a bad thing in itself, actually, because I've learned to develop a rhythm of prayer. But sometimes I don't sit down long enough for fear of falling asleep, for starters, but just sitting long enough where God can find me. God has an overwhelming desire to respond to us. There's a couple of things um, I'm going to finish with. I'm going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. The central work of the Spirit in our lives is to change us. And that happens by us trusting him. Many of us have pressing personal needs and carry other people's problems. And we desire for that to be changed, don't we? But sometimes, on an unconscious and a conscious level, I wonder if we don't pray because we can't trust God enough because of what's happened before. He hasn't come through with the answer that you wanted or I wanted, or we don't know how to pray or apathy is set in. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I would like to give God a magic wand and make it all better. There are people that I love so dearly and I want it, I want it to be better for them because I'm, I'm tired of seeing them struggling. I'm tired of seeing a fractured heart and mind I want them to be whole. But then the downside is that then we won't develop any good spiritual habits because he'll have done it all for us. So James says this, you do not have because you do not ask. Do we believe that God is still able? God is waiting for us to transition from the place of believing he did marvelous things then when he was walking to now 
I love this, and there's a lot of people who love this scripture. He is the same yesterday. Last week, Val got up and shared her testimony of healing as she persevered in prayer. He is the same today to the place of trust that he still can. He is the same forever. There is something happening across the country every day at 12 noon. There is a movement that started last year. Um, I can't remember the man's name, he's in London. He started this movement because he saw a vision of the United Kingdom. And he saw groups of people and people in offices and children in playgrounds and et cetera, et cetera. And he saw them all at 12 o'clock stop and recite the Lord's Prayer. Wherever they were, wherever you are, 12 o'clock, they recite the Lord's Prayer. Now, they don't get up and put their hands in the air and say, excuse me, school, I'm just going to pray. What they do is they set a buzz on their phone or they set an email to drop in or they've got something to remind them, something stuck on their computer or whatever it is, whatever it is for them to stop at 12 o'clock and join in with thousands and thousands of other people across this land praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that is powerful. Last year, I had a conversation with um, Neil and Ian about the Lord's Prayer, that for this year, I would make it um, my purpose to find out in schools who says it and who doesn't. I want our children and this generation, when they're elderly, to be woken up by the words of the Lord's Prayer. I want them to be rooted in God, even if it just means that they, they just know that prayer, that they're awoken by that when somebody says, let's pray the words that Jesus taught. I have a passion for that prayer. It has been reignited since I became a Christian. And I say it before I go to sleep because I understand more now the context of it. I understand about a holy God. I understand about a father who loves me. I understand and believe that I want to see heaven touching earth. I want that. I want that for our generation. I want that for every person in this room, that you will fully understand what it is to say the Lord's Prayer. So I'm asking us as a church to join in if you want to. I am not going to go around your workplaces and check to see whether you are. And most people will never know what you're saying because you won't be babbling outside on the streets and people not knowing what you're talking about. But inwardly, it's like God will break into your day. He will break in. We all have very busy lives. There's all stuff going on around us. But for a minute, God will break in when we've forgotten that he's around us just by saying the Lord's Prayer. And if you want to share that with people, then please do so. If you want to share it with your work friends, well, well, make sure the time's appropriate and it's sensitive. But we are asking you to join in <clears throat> 12 o'clock daily, just to stop. And don't, do you know what? Can I, I want to say this. 
don't do the guilt thing that if it's 10 past 12, it don't matter. You can't, don't have to say it now because everybody else has said it. It's just a time. It could be a different time for you. The 12 o'clock is knowing that you're praying alongside thousands of others across the land. So don't, don't get that guilt thing going on if you miss it. Or you've got to say four because you haven't said it for a week. Don't, don't go down that whole road of how we were brought up. Yeah. And just as a, a note, hopefully that the Lord's Prayer will kickstart your prayer training again. That it will encourage you to pray more. That it will encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer out and beyond for other people. And before we pray the Lord's Prayer together, let's stand. Let prayer reshape you. Let your prayers be about other people wanting God to reshape them and heal them and bring them home. This prayer is split into two. And the first half is about God himself. Someone said, prayer that does not start there is always in danger of concentrating on ourselves. Our Father, recognizing the wonderful truth that he's creator and king, hallowing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Your kingdom here now on earth, where I am, in the lives of those around me, in my family, in my church, with my neighbors, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may what is in me and around me reflect a drop of heaven. And then the prayer changes. Give us today our daily bread, only what I need. And for those around me, I will give. And forgive us our trespasses. What are they? What have they been towards others? And forgive those who trespass against us. For us as church, Christians before God, keeping short accounts so that your heart is empty of distraction. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep me strong and committed to keep saying no to sin and temptation. Because, of course, Jesus had just come from that altercation with the devil. So he understands the strong force that can pull us away. Jesus said, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's train our minds to pray for others let's pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.